Welcome to the Weatherman Podcast. This is your host, Chad Stecker, and I am the Weathered Man. This is the podcast where a humbled man pleads to a broken world to listen to his eccentric thoughts concerning life, family, and the church today. I'm finally back. It's been a month since I published an episode, and I got a serious treat for you for the next couple of weeks. My guest for the next few episodes totally rocked my entire world. I've had this interview recorded for a bit, but due to trying to wrap my head and my heart around our conversation that we had, I I held it for a bit. I had to. I'm sorry. I I had to. I, I I couldn't even fathom everything that was going on. Uh, within my spirit concerning this last interview, this last conversation I had. You need to know a couple things before going further. One, this recording is raw and gritty, and I kind of like it that way this time. I think it's meant to be both. It's raw because it's, it's almost completely unedited. It's gritty because how we recorded this, it, it doesn't sound like we're in a studio because we're not. We're just sitting there at a table I set my mic up and my mic in my system wasn't really working great that day. Or let me rephrase that. I wasn't working great that day, but we did the interview anyway, which obviously I'm so grateful for. The second thing is this interview took me on a crazy ride down my personal journey towards healing and freedom. I thought my son's journey and Nias, who were meant to be talking about concerning healing would be a focal point and mine actually took over. And this interview helped me, I'll be honest, it it helped me go down my own path for healing and freedom in a way that I I was not expecting. I've kind of been enjoying dealing with my son's story because it's taken me away from my personal one, which has been such a, a daunting task or a daunting situation for the last three years. But God had different plans, y'all. I even stopped the interview on a couple of occasions just to gather my thoughts and my emotions. She rocked me. Her story rocked me. But more importantly, the spirit of the living God was literally doing surgery on me. And I didn't, like I said, I didn't expect it. I I still don't expect it. I'm still kind of at a loss for words right now. It's taken me down a deep path, y'all. I need to stop rambling. And uh, I can definitely see some specific episodes coming where I discuss my thoughts more in depth concerning what this interview took me on and the path it took me on. Um, But now, without further ado, I want to give you part one of my conversation with the founder of Forged in Faith Oak Ministries, Jody Selgrove. All right, I am so pumped to be here today with a new good friend of mine. And um, and I'm going to let her kind of just explain to where God has her and, and, and the process she's been on, especially the last five years, five, six years. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have an amazing conversation on, you've guessed it, healing. Because that's what we're doing this season is we're talking about healing from many different facets, from many different viewpoints, but all pointing to Jesus Christ and, and, and the Trinity, the triune God that we serve and that we love. And so we're, we want to look at healing from not just a physical aspect, but also from an emotional, mental, and spiritual one as well throughout this season. This testimony, this story, and, and this amazing woman of God is going to give you some insight into when kind of how all four kind of piece together at the same time. And so you're going to see aspects or hear aspects, I should say, of 
the spiritual, mental, emotional, and yes, even physical healing and kind of what we do when it doesn't get seen or doesn't come about the way we wanted it to or how we expected it to. And then also how healing plays a part in, in kind of confirming our faith and strengthening our faith in that aspect too, even through the hurts, habits, and hangups that we all experience and go through in life. So my good friend Jody is here, and she has an amazing ministry that God has, has given her and through her to other people in, in a town where I least expected it, to be honest with you. And in a manner I least expected it, which just shows that I am not where I need to be with Jesus because this is amazing what God is doing. And I couldn't imagine doing what I'm doing right now without a ministry like this uh, working with me and me working with them. But also to see what happens when people totally surrender and say, look, we don't care about what you do necessarily for me, but we, we care more about what you do through me. And so without... Further ado, my friend, Miss Jody. I appreciate it. This was an exciting opportunity, actually. Wonderful. I think I want to start off as I was driving here. Um, it, the Holy Spirit just pressed upon me to. I love how you brought in that you actually recognize that the healing process that I've been in includes all the aspects of who I am as an individual the mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical. So I want to start off by saying that on October 12th, 2015, I was standing outside the cabin where we were given, and I'll go into more of that in a little bit, but, and I remember standing there, I was facing the southeast, and I said, Jesus, I can feel the emptiness. I literally have a hole, and I don't know what to do with it. You are going to have to fill it. And that was a moment of conversion, mm. literal conversion for me. So it was a very dynamic process from that point on for me as an individual. Um, I had asked Jesus to be my savior. My grandma led my sister, brother, and I when I was about eight years old in the sinner's prayer. I, I remember the exact moment. It was very, very precious. But I don't believe that that was the conversion point for me. And so what I have experienced since October 11th, 2015 has been a complete conversion process, uh, what I like to call healing. Hmm. Um, so on October 11th, 2015, my husband and my two children, who were 15 and 13 at the time, went out for a beautiful day on the lake with one of our good friends. And through various circumstances, the boat capsized and literally sunk, and there were no life preservers available, just a seat that popped up from the boat, and that became the life preserver for all four of them. And my husband lost his life during those moments. My kids treaded water for over 90 minutes, and this particular lake is in the wide open spaces. The waves were capsizing. There literally is no reason my children should be alive. Um, but through the grace of God, they have lived to share and will be sharing their testimony for the rest of their life. They could not find my husband right away. So the sun went down and I knew my life 
would never be the same, the same that it was. And again, by the grace of God, he had, you know, I truly believe J- Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. And since that day, even my understanding of who God is has even expanded with Jeremiah 20, for I know the plans that I have for you. Um, I know he goes before, and he always lines everything up perfectly for us. Um, there happened to be a lady there who had a cabin, and she said, it's yours. You get to stay there for as long as you need. And I believe that God basically created a small little world for my kids and I, and the, the friend that was with my kids and my husband, he survived as well, and so he, I invited them to stay with us. Um, my parents came up. So there were about six of us that stayed in the cabin for an entire week waiting for them to find my husband. And I had to make the decision um, the Saturday, so it would have been like six days later, um, that we needed to go. And they still hadn't found him. And again, the minute we get home, the following evening, he's found. I, I want to step in real quick. Yes. Yeah. A lot of times when we quote Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, it's a, it's it's a famous quote oh, yeah. verse, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So many people have that as yeah, their life verse. We all want verse. to be prospered. We we all want God to take care of us. Mm-hmm. We all want to know that He has good plans for our life. Exactly. But very few times I've I've heard it in a, within a testimony that that it, it, it rises at the actually the same point that in your life that in a sense it was happening with. The Israelites, mm-hmm. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. People don't realize sometimes that when, when he told them that, and we use that Jeremiah twenty nine eleven for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, plans for a future, right? Yep. And we say that when it's always when it's a good time, and we forget that when he told the Israelites that they were literally walking, they were on their way to exile. Yep. They were on their way to slavery. They were, they had been captured. They were being, the nation was being disciplined and not that your life was being disciplined, but it wasn't a good feeling season for the Israelites. It wasn't a time where they were like, God, you just have us. You just bless us so much. And he goes, yeah, because for, I know the plans I have for you declares me, right? Declares the Lord plans to prosper you. Yeah. I can feel it. Jesus, I can feel the prosperity in my bones right now. No, that's not at all what they were feeling, right? Mm-mm. So in a time that you were feeling probably the lowest you've ever felt, the lowest you'll probably ever feel, right? There's very few things that could probably ever get you there, and we right. don't even want to discuss that, right? right. <laughs> in that moment, God says, it's okay, Jody, for I know the plans I have for you. Mm-hmm. Declares me, the mm-hmm. Lord. I have plans to prosper you and plans for a future. Yep. And not just you, but your kids and all that were involved Mm -hmm. and all those that you will affect. How did you feel in that moment of complete despair, but God is telling you, it's okay, Jody, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Mm -hmm. Well, that brings up, I would say, the emotional and the mental piece of healing. So I guess the word oxymoron is what comes up for me. You know, it's very difficult as humans to understand. And I would even say this goes down to um, how you were raised, the culture in which you were raised in. So beyond your familial culture, you know, your community culture. And then you got to think basic community. Then I like, okay, what's it like in the state? 
What's it like in the region? What's it like in the U.S.? So all of those aspects of culture play into our perceptions. Based on how I was raised in the Midwest my entire life, you aren't taught that you can live life in a place of grieving, in a place of sorrow, in a place of desperation, and also experience joy, also experience thankfulness. You know, so that started that whole process. Right there, we're talking mentally, there, like immediately, unlearning began to occur. And that's connected even to my emotions, which I would even say, you know, how did I, how was I living at the time? Everything was driven by thought, right? I'm a high thinker, so, which means my emotions, I rarely touch them. They would come up, but I don't understand, you know, at the time, I don't understand what my emotions for, are for, what, what the purpose of them are, right? So a lot of that unlearning began to occur. And then that ties in the physical piece. So if anyone has ever experienced that particular type of tragedy in their life, and there are so many different types of tragedies that occur in, in individuals' lives, right? But there are some devastating ones that will physically debilitate us. I believe God used this particular incident in my life to bring me to the point where there I couldn't struggle at all Mm. I couldn't struggle mentally because I just didn't have the mental mental capacity I have been physically affected like there are certain foods I can't even eat now because my physical body was impacted by the devastation and the loss of my husband he moved me to this place where I couldn't fight him And that was a struggle in itself, but if I can't physically fight him mentally, emotionally, and physically, what else is there for me to do? Granted, I do believe his spirit working within me provided that strength and all that, you know, in hindsight. The spiritual aspect took over for the three natural aspects. Without me even realizing. Right. So I have I have two questions, mm-hmm. and, and if you haven't realized already, my questions are always prefaced by comments. Two things kind of really came out of this for me, um, for you, because I, I want to also connect with you on shared experience as well. And this is one of the first times where there is kind of a shared experience with my accident. Mm-hmm. If you've been following me for any amount of time, you know about my accident in 2018. This is not the time to rehash it. But I do want to bring up this there was two aspects that you mentioned that I was like, Ooh, I can relate to that. Maybe mm-hmm. was that you mentioned that there were no life preservers mm-hmm. or there was nothing available. And, and I know in our community and many other communities, going, well, that's probably their fault. And so there was some <laughs> blame to go around. This is, and, and for me, my accident was my fault. Ultimately it was an accident. Mm-hmm. I almost lost my life. But it wasn't me coming home from war as a hero. Right, right, right. It wasn't me saving the getting injured, saving the life of a kitten, right? <laughs> you know, it wasn't me right. uh, choosing myself over choosing myself to take something over my children, right. right? I wasn't a hero in anybody else's eyes. I was actually someone that failed miserably. Something that was a joking matter at some in some voices, a, 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 a point of gossip. Mm-hmm. Um, and a point of stress mm-hmm. and a lot of my issues came through that which were well if, if he would have had the preservers he, you know if he would have done this the right way he wouldn't have been here or he would have been here mm-hmm. 
I want to know how you dealt with that aspect because I'm pretty sure if it wasn't to your face, it was behind your back. Yep. Because that's how it's in the church role, right? Yep. And um, and something that was very private was then taken public. Mm-hmm. Which, which this was very, very public, just so you know. I don't think I will ever, ever fully understand the publicity, but I wasn't, I like literally, I couldn't function. I, let's just put it that way. I just could not function. And so God put people around me to help me function, but my phone was just completely out of reach. But when I went back like two months later, I had messages from news crews. Um, My sister who lives in Ankeny, Iowa, she said it was in the news in Ankeny, Iowa. Mm -hmm. You know, so it was very public, but by the grace of God, again, I will say it was all him. He sheltered me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I believe... I was never from the town that I live in now. I've always been an outsider. Literally, I've been an outsider my entire life. So I would also say that's been a part of God's plan because I started to recognize what it's like to be an outsider in an, in a community that's in. So I learned not to listen and not to engage in gossip. So when gossip occurs, mm-hmm. I literally don't know. So when... The, so to, to answer that question, mm-hmm. that's I believe that's how God worked that. Not that I didn't realize that it was happening because mm-hmm. I knew it. So so how did your children handle it? How 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 were you able to kind of unify? And I know you had a great support system around you, mm-hmm. right? Especially at that time, you had your your parents with you. You had your your friends, the one that was there, who we we both know now, right? Um, who I think is an amazing man. Yep, he is. But he wasn't an insi- he wasn't an outsider. No, but he he was an insider too, and and your husband um, was born and raised here. Was born and raised here. So although you were an outsider, your children were kind of born into being on the inside. Mm-hmm. Let me ask it this way, um, because I know it was something that extremely affected me yep. more than the accident itself. Yep. Was that something that affected you more than the accident? I know you lost your husband and I yep. did not pass. Yes. But I even know with my wife, it was the outside chatter. It was the, all the ex- external circumstances that really the enemy was using to cr- try to crumble us yep. in the moment. Yep. Okay. So I was heading towards this aspect. Okay. So I... I don't know if I can truly give you a specific answer to that question of how I moved through it. Okay. Um, but this is what, in hindsight, when I look back, this is what I see. When the sun was going down that evening, I saw a man who, was, who loved my husband and who physically could not do anything to save his life, who had just lost his best friend. I saw him to start isolating himself, and I already started to see... The condemnation I already started to see the guilt I already started to see the blame mm. and I would say that it was not me it was God through me but I walked up to him and I said you will not be going home tonight you will be with me and you will not be leaving my side yeah for, as for my children I can't speak to how they have had to deal with the gossip mm. but I will say that again by the grace of God he he moved a man and a wife into our area that were able to help us move through the different barriers that we would have to move through. And that included the gossip piece. 
it, I, watched, I watched that type of condemnation that the enemy uses start to tear down one of my best friends, this man. Mm-hmm. Um, I, he's, he's like my older brother. And he used, God used our relationship and our time of healing together because we immediately started meeting, you know, after the memorial service was over and everything, we met weekly. We, we started painting together. We would have these types of conversations like you and I are having right now. And he used those times to help us move through. Mm-hmm. And, you know, quite honestly, he used him to help protect me so I wouldn't always hear all the stuff that was being said and I believe that and I don't know if he would say this but this is how I've seen it he used him to help protect me and he had the breadth and the depth to be able to carry that load right does that make sense and I believe spiritually and physically if you know this man yes and I believe God uses people like that all the time and because since then he has used me to be able to help carry loads for other people right? because they couldn't do it at the time. Right. And it, it very few times my questioning or, or what God is leads, what God leads me to ask based off of what you're talking about mm-hmm. leads to like an absolute perfect moment that I can point to. But right now my son Liam is, is with this amazing man painting mm-hmm. and it was something that God showed Tanya and I, we know Liam, our kids went through this with us. Yeah. And uh, it was something we were all, ha- we all had suffered in some form or fashion from uh, PTSD concerning mm-hmm. this because yeah. they were all at the house. They all saw the blood. They all saw the, you know, they didn't see the accident itself, but they heard the accident. They saw the ramifications of the accident. And they've watched my process mm-hmm. in the last three years, which has been a, a very ex- strenuous and, and, sometimes tormented process Mm -hmm. and I'm watching as I drop Liam off to paint with him into I'm glad you I'm glad you brought up the painting because I was like we're not mentioning him by name so (laughs) I want to be very careful here but what he's doing for Liam now is a is a it's it's an external expression of an internal um, process Mm -hmm. that's necessary that is necessary and what he's doing for Liam three years after what we've, why I truly believe we've ended up here mm-hmm. is not just to help the community, not just to help the church that we're, we're, we're with right now, but for our sake, you know, I always, I avoided becoming a pastor again mm-hmm. because I am very emotional. I, I get attached very well. And, and in a sense that prevented me from being a great pastor in this circumstance, because mm-hmm. it's hard to lead people. You're like, you made yourself peers with exactly and I just love people so much Mm -hmm. and I would ask God that during that process which means when you separate it's like a divorce it's not just like a moving on right (laughs) and um and I said it's hard a pastor has to lead from a place of freedom Mm -hmm. not be the person still trying to seek it and healing and freedom are tied together it is, they're, they're like two chords of a three-strand chord, and I'm yep. figuring out what the third one is right now, but freedom and healing go hand in hand. Absolutely. And when I see you, and I see the people tied to the ministry you're part of, which we'll deal with in part two, mm-hmm. and your family, and I've got the, the chance to meet your daughter, and just to see the, the peace and the joy in her eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, unlike you, she doesn't talk much in front of others, mm-hmm. but 
she does with her eyes. Yep. It reminds me of my wife. <laughs> and to see the impact that you are making, mm. to see that I have potential to come from a place of leading from this place of healing from this incident instead of leading from a place of while still on the journey. Mm -hmm. So I'm grateful that you were willing to go there mm -hmm. and that you're willing to go even deeper yeah. um, coming up because my next question that I noticed was is you brought up how PTSD or the, 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 the traumatic, what it did to you, it even affected you physically. Yeah, it did. And I've watched how my whole physical dynamic has changed. Mm -hmm. What was once okay for me to eat is not, what, it's different things like that, but just my physical makeup completely. Yep. And it's not just what I eat, but it's just how I function, how I sleep. Everything is shifted. Mm -hmm. Regardless of it's a time of freedom, a season where I'm experiencing complete freedom and joy, or a season where I'm struggling. Right. I, can you tie, dive into a little bit more into that and, and give us a little bit more insight on what you meant concerning yeah. the PTSD concerning this? Yeah. So the accident happened in October 11th, 2015. And so from that moment until October 6th, October 11th, 2016, I was living in shock, literal shock. And not only was I living in that, but I was able to watch how shock impacted my son and my daughter. So it was, it's just a very interesting way of how God just gave me the eyes to see that. Not that I can remember everything, but just that I was able to recognize how, basically how he designs us, how that plays into how we move through that. I pretty much lost taste. Like I couldn't taste food. Um, people were forcing me to eat because when I get stressed, I don't eat. <laughs> Like there are some people who get stressed and they eat, yeah. right? I don't eat when I get stressed, but I didn't have taste. So when you don't have taste, you just don't want to eat. I was like a walking zombie. So it was almost like I was in a trance a lot of the times. I mean, I, I could feel at times when I was coming out of it. And I would say that even to this day, my capacity for the length of a day and what I can put in a day, it's growing, mm -hmm. but I still get fatigued very very easily and it doesn't matter if it's if I'm doing something physically or if I have many multiple things going on in my day so I discovered my life verse one of them I have two but one of them is Psalm 4610 be still and know that I am God I will be exalted among the nations so I believe again that God positioned me to truly discover spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically, what it means to be still. He, I, I didn't have a choice because of the state that I was in. Mm. And now I can reference back to that. I can look back and I can say, okay, this is how he moved me through. Am I still implementing that in my life right now? Because that was really important. Am I doing that now? So as I move through I couldn't do anything then. He took me to that debilitating place. I should be still living in that debilitating place because I am not independent. I'm dependent on him. So am I moving through my days in independence? Am I asking him for help? Am I, you know, before we got started, I prayed. And 
I thanked him for the breath that I breathe because I can't breathe without him. Hmm. Am I thanking him for that? Am I asking him for strength, supernatural strength to move through the different things that he is putting in my path? I don't know if that helped answer that question or... As you talk about all this, this is, 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 it's remarkable to see how the effects of what happened five years ago is you're, you're still seeing certain effects, kind of like, you know, the fumes of what, what happened still in the midst. Mm -hmm. And, and I hope that's a good analogy because it's sometimes it's affecting us in the natural, but it's not a natural effect. Yep. And so if I get you right, the, the, the mental, emotional and physical, although it was never there, the spiritual always covered you. Yes. Even if you were in a zombie-like state because emotionally your body just just shifted mm-hmm. to a new state. Yep. Which God made us this way. That mm-hmm. doesn't mean it's your failure. It means no. your body is post-traumatic stress. You know, it's shifting so it can save your body, save your mind in certain things. God and, designed our bodies to be able to protect themselves. Yes. You know, and we could go physiologically to that. Right. Like, we could do that. But my body responded the way that it needed to to protect itself right Right. that's the shock yes and i know i said ptsd ptsd is a whole different thing but the shock when it came in i remember when shock hit my body in the midst of it yeah i cannot imagine that (laughs) to be honest with you you made a statement of you remember when shock hit but you remember when you came out of shock all right starting to yeah and it just hit me i don't know Mm. if i remember shock leaving me Mm -hmm. or if I just don't remember it Mm -hmm. and I'm kind of shocked right now (laughs) Um, and it's affected me on an emotional level because (laughs) if if it hasn't it explains a lot Mm -hmm. but if it has left me and I have I have minimized it with other actions or other ways of suppression right how do I get from that Mm-hmm. And uh, for instance, I think I've sabotaged friendships mm-hmm. because of fear of that hurt and not knowing what my body would do yep. um, and all kinds of other stuff. So you just, I'm rambling a little bit because I wasn't prepared for this moment as I don't know if I could have been prepared for that moment. But when you said that, that really got me. Mm-hmm. And I want to thank you for that. Thank you for being honest with that. Yeah. Thank you for listening to part one of my conversation with the founder of Forged in Faith Oak Ministries, Jody Cell Grove. Get ready for some fun coming up in part two. Remember, in a world of groupthink, you can watch me, mock me, block me, or join me, but you can't silence me. Until next time, stay weathered, my friends.